Hi, I'm Ann Gannon, and welcome to my podcast, The Franchise Accelerator. As the founder of the Largo Group, I have provided accounting services with a specialty in the hospitality industry over the last decade. I have prided myself on finding a way to work with my clients, not just where their businesses are today, but working with them to scale. What I've realized over the course of this work, this mission, is that the common challenge for business owners is how to scale. How can you go from one location to many locations if there's just you? This is why we've started the Franchise Accelerator, because inside you is a great idea that can scale. And with the right tools, the right techniques, you too can create a franchise, a brand that's more than just you grinding it out, working 80 hours a week and sacrificing for your business. You can create a brand that can stand alone and can truly create financial wealth for your family. I'm so excited to be a part of your journey and I look forward to being with you every week as we join on this adventure together. Hey listeners, I am so excited for this week's episode. We are joined this week by the management team of Garden Catering, which is an eight unit restaurant group out of Connecticut and New York. And our discussion this week really focuses on the Restaurant Leadership Conference. We attended the Restaurant Leadership Conference in early April of 2022, but more than just the conference, what we talk about is what is really going on in the restaurant industry? What are the trends? What are people saying? You know, it's been a long two years for restaurateurs all across America. And for the first time in 24 months, people were able to gather in person and not just people, but thought leaders, CEOs of the big brands, owners all over the country, were all able to get together in Phoenix to really talk through what is going on from supply chain crisis to technology and what's happened there to customer behavior and third-party delivery and all of those things. And what's great is to hear the insight from the garden catering team who is so much on the front lines of it, right? Really dealing with technology, dealing with third-party apps, dealing with customer behavior, and really at the same time, trying to position themselves for growth in the future. So I'm, it's a great conversation on so many levels, and I'm very thankful for them for taking the time to join us today. All right. Thank you so much today for Zeno Carr and Matt Herda from Garden Catering for joining us here on the Shopmaker Podcast. What I'd love to do is start off by talking about your roles at Garden Catering, but not just your roles, a little bit of the backstory of the fact that you guys have, you know, kind of grew up together and are taking on this second generation restaurant and taking it to the next level. So can you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure. My name is Matt Herda. I'm the Chief Financial Officer with Garden Catering. And I've been with the company about 13 years now. And like you said, we're all friends from growing up. I've worked with Frank, the owner, and his sister you know, for years now, but also grew up with them. And Zeno, I went to high school with, and we played sports together as well. So it's definitely a family-run uh, operation for sure. And I really think that helps add to the dynamic. Of course, you know, it's it's a business, but that at the end of the day, it's it's fun too, and that's what we're all here for to uh, you know to make it a great place to work. So awesome! And tell us a little bit about you know you knew Garden Catering growing up, 
and now you're running it. Like, what is it like to kind of take over a brand that everybody knows? Because anyone who doesn't, you know, know Garden Catering, I mean, you're pretty well known in the, you know, Southern Connecticut, you know, suburban New York area. So what is it like to kind of carry on a, a second generation brand? It's a honor and it's a, resp- a huge responsibility. I think uh, I grew up, like I said, uh, going as a customer. I used to ride my bike across town. I, I grew up on the other side of town, actually, uh, probably over where Frank and Matt actually grew up. But I used to ride my bike all the way down to Old Greenwich, you know, which is about five miles each way to get nuggets and fries when I was, you know, when I was a kid, probably 10, 12 years old. And, uh, you know, we played rugby in high school together, I was a little older than these guys, but I graduated with Tina. So, um, you know, coming in, you know, many years after, you know, getting out of college and joining the team. It was a huge responsibility to maintain the the reputation, the standards that we had. And I, I came in immediately impressed with all that Frank and Tina and Matt had done to essentially organize and create the systems that were going to enable the company to grow and to be able to duplicate what we had done and built a cult following around in Old Greenwich and kind of scale that out to you know the surrounding communities, which they'd already done so to a, to a pretty nice degree and what we're looking to continue to do. Now, going forward, um, you know, adding to our tech stack, we could talk later about, um, you know, how the landscape and the industry has changed so much and how we've become so much more dependent on technology. Restaurants are always kind of way behind the curve with, with technology now seem to be a lot of innovation happens and is happening in the restaurant space. So it's exciting. And again, it's a big responsibility. It's a good that we're all friends and, uh, you know, and, and know each other and grow up together because that helps to inform the dynamic and the culture of the company going forward. Hopefully that we can we can maintain that that sense of community and family uh, in each one of the stores as we grow. Yeah, we're, we're ambassadors of the brand, you know, the epitome of the ambassadors of the brand. And we, we, we have been since day one. So it's, you know, we feel like it's our responsibility to continue that. We basically yeah. still eat. It's like every single day. <laughs> right. They're really good. So who wouldn't? Uh, yes. But so, you know, where this story is going is, you know, we just attended the Restaurant Leadership Conference together out in Phoenix. But before we get there, what I'd love to talk about is obviously a lot of what was talked about are the lessons learned of COVID, right? So, you know, and I actually met with you guys like right the day before COVID shut the world down for the first time. So talk me through like the early days of COVID, right? Knowing you're this established brand that you're, you know, this local community, and then all of a sudden, I mean, the world just falls apart. So talk me through those early days. I mean, when that happened, like you said, it's like the world stopped and and what are we going to do? I mean, we were always and have been and, and will be a company that can pivot, I think, fairly quickly. We have a strong executive team and, you know, a lot of good ideas flow through us every day. So right away, we knew that we had to probably pivot more to the third party. And to to make sure our third party platforms were strong for online ordering, and really just retraining the staff in the stores, you know how to deal with customers coming in, the pickups, you know it was a fair bit of retraining, I would say, but everyone really embraced that, and the fact that we are a strong part of the community, I feel like our customer base, you know, went along with that as well, and able pretty quickly to to adjust yeah i'd say yeah we were able to reach out to a community because we have been in this community for so long it was really nice to get the response that we did from our guests and from our community so when we were looking for things first uh, nugs not hugs program 
um, you know, which is basically and ultimately are nuggets for nonprofits. But we were able to raise a lot of money, make a lot of food, make a lot of people happy. And at the same time, we were still driving sales. So um, I'd say, again, you also another thing, you can't be afraid to try new things. You know, just see what sticks, you know, that, that expression, you know, throw it at the wall and, and see what sticks. So we were making, you know, doing the family meals or, you know, we, we didn't really venture into uh, the household goods and selling toilet paper and everything. But the options were there. We were looking at everything and trying to see how we could boost up bottom line, just make sure that there were going to be no layoffs, which we're very proud to say there were no layoffs. We had no layoffs throughout the entire thing. We were looking for people. We were hiring people throughout. So, um, you know, you just got to continue to try and see what else you can add. We tried a, you know, a, a virtual kitchen in one of our stores. We did two pop-ups throughout. We did a, you know, our clam shack pop-up over the summer. We did a barbecue pop-up um, where we invited, you know, another local chef in and let, let him kind of build his brand through our uh, catering kitchen. Um, so just try and do some fun things and keep the momentum going forward. I think from a financial aspect, one of the most important things with which you obviously helped us with, Anne, was really making sure that um, you know all the PPP loans we had those in order, and uh, ERTC credits we applied for all of those. You know, anyone who didn't do that and had the opportunity, you know, they got left behind because that was a that was a huge uh, advantage for anyone who actually you know went through the process correctly. Yeah. And not just that, though. I mean, that you guys also, you know, kind of going back to that theme of technology. I mean, you guys ended up, you know, converting everything to R365, which was no easy feat during COVID, you know, formally took over as the, you know, second generation. You guys did a lot, I think, on your infrastructure as well. Also, you know, your first party app, like a lot on the technology front that I think also probably helped. Yeah, I mean, especially with, uh, like you said, R365, Restaurant 365, our accounting and operations software, we were coming over from the legacy system and, you know, having to make sure that the eight locations that we had were, you know, transitioned over correctly. And there was a lot of testing and working with the company. And we found that Restaurant 365 is really a great system. Uh, If you put in the work uh, yourself to make it right, you're going to have one system, everything under one hood, your accounting, your operations, your inventory, your scheduling, your your sales forecasting. So that that definitely helped us uh, dial in everything, you know, all together under one one hood and in one system. And um, yeah. And, you know, go, moving over to Lunchbox, we migrated our loyalty. We got our own first party app for the first time. You know, our CRM, you know, we, for the first time we had sort of our, a real CRM and customer relationship management platform and then having a better, more well-integrated online ordering experience for our guests. Uh, ultimately, COVID accelerated the innovation in, in that space in particular. And we had looked at any number of solutions. We tried a number of solutions over the years and each one got a little bit better, a little bit better, but nobody was able to quite crack the code for the proper POS integration or complete POS integration that we needed. And the Lunchbox was able to do that. Actually, in short order, they built the integration in about six weeks for their first Brink customer, Brink POS customer. And they built that in about six weeks. And those remaining things like making promotions work, making digital gift cards work through their platform so that we had essentially an omni-channel presence, omni-channel ability to conduct commerce, you know, and have it be the, the same experience in-store or online for our guests. They were able to crack that code. So yes, it was a fair amount of work, but when you've got the doors essentially closed and that customer-facing component of your business is not under as much pressure 
Because you got you got to basically smile when I answer the phone, but your front of house people have now become expo people right. and back house workers. You know, you're almost a you're almost a ghost kitchen by default when your doors right. are closed, and that allows you a little bit more flexibility to focus yourselves inside, look at your systems, and hit the gas pedal, and you know, and make sure that you're going to get those things done by the time your doors are open back up. You're already you know hit the ground running and you're ready to go. So, yeah. Uh, no, so fast forward now, because, you know, now going into 22, we're kind of, you know, COVID's a little bit, you know, behind us now. You know, what was the thought process to, I guess, going to Restaurant Leadership Conference? Now you guys are kind of resetting growth goals, you know, so you kind of that, you know, mindset going into like an in-person event and, and you know, what really you left that event with? I think the event was great. It was our first time attending. And although we were one of maybe the smaller, you know, units that that were there, I felt like it validated a lot of things that we were doing as far as what Zeno was speaking to with the technology that we brought on and the systems that we, you know, honed and it made very, you know, work even better for us. A lot of other things that came out of that, which I saw from that meeting, you know, I think really making sure that you have a strong culture not only within your employee base and your and your internal you know company but also with your with your customers we continue to do that even through covid our customers appreciated that like you know said it's hard you know you're trying to smile through the masks and and we still did that yeah. but really just you know validating what we've been doing and knowing that hey you know we've done a lot of hard work here and you know, some of the big guys, this is what they're saying too. And we've done some of this. Um, I think sticking to that, making sure, you know, we continue to make sure there's a strong internal culture at our stores um, is important and continue with, with AI and any new technologies coming out that'll help improve those processes. Yeah. One thing that, uh, you know, uh, on a for macro scale, you know, you hear all the doom and gloom from the media and, you know, oh, this many restaurants are closing. And I, I really feel so deeply for those restaurants who, who didn't make it out of out of the pandemic, but it was nice to see for those who did, you know, come out to that conference and see all the excitement. I mean, people were. This is a, a business built of hospitality people, social people, and to get them all together out at an event, it was kind of like you know, it was almost like perfect for springtime. It was like everybody was emerging from this hibernation and kind of you know, a cathartic for I think a lot of people. And that you know, overall, that was awesome to experience. And like Matt said, uh, you know, the, the validation component was, was huge because it let us know that, you know, despite our, our size, that we're on the right track, that we're picking the right tools, that we, you know, have, we're thinking in the, in the right way. We're organizing organization. Yeah. <laughs> we're, <laughs> cut. No, the way that we're, we're structuring our business right now is preparing us for growth and the opportunities abound to do so. So we're excited. One thing that I picked up a lot on was data data, data, data. So we're all collecting data from all these different points. And how do we make sense of data? I think that's the next challenge for us is we don't necessarily have, you know, the business intelligence tools at our disposal that are designed to really, really dive deep into that data to really, really get to know our customers on a deeper and more holistic level so that we can communicate with them and meet them where they are. So um, I'm excited to see what opportunities there are to partner with maybe, you know, some more forward-looking companies in that, in that field to um, better understand our guests 
and invite them to come in, you know, one more time a month, two more times a month and see if we can grow our business more organically. So there's, you know, opportunity abounds. We just need to know how to capitalize on the data we're already collecting. It's not just looking at, you know, dollars and guest counts and ticket averages. It's, you know, diving a little deeper and, you know, finding out more about the customer as much as we can, because, you know, numbers are great. And we've become a very data-driven company um, and, and we're, we're utilizing those numbers for good. But I think like Zeno said, to really, you know, find out what the customer wants and and be involved with them is extremely important. It's what they expect now. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to see, like when you see, you know, CEOs of these big companies, I think, like you said, that's the biggest differential is how data-driven they are and how much they know about their customers. But I I think where you guys are, Almost food is almost secondary right. to a lot. Of you know, they're like, "Yeah, we're a data and technology company." You know, we happen to sell hot dogs or whatever. You know, so it's so uh, true. Like you hear them talk, and you're like, "I don't think he knows how to cook," but he knows yeah. a lot about their business, so that's okay. But what's interesting, I think, and I use you guys a lot as an example. You know, some of our other clients is the fact that you know, Zeno's role, which is you know, chief technology officer. I mean, that you know, ten years ago you wouldn't have had that, right? You would have just had a bunch of GMs and, you know, owners and and that's it. But I mean, talk to me about how much time you spend with your technology on a weekly basis. Probably 75% of my time, I'd say. I mean, I still actually spend time out in the stores. I still uh, do the odd catering delivery. We all still wear many hats. We're still conduct, you know, I'll, I'll go conduct interviews or hire somebody or do a trial because this is still the restaurant industry. We're still, a, you know, we're still a, an emerging brand. So you can't silo yourself entirely. You don't want to actually. I mean, you want to have your kind of finger a little bit on the pulse of, of each component of the business. So you understand where needs are, where, where you're lacking and where you can improve. So that's important, but still I'm spending more and more time on technology, you know, from a POS unit failing in one of the stores to how can we improve our labor scheduling? How, what, what tools can we layer on to um, make it easier for our managers to optimize their labor schedule, you know, um, to schedule more efficiently so that we have our aces in places during our busy hours, things like that, that we now are getting more and more tools to uh, to actually be able to execute on those goals. You know, you're getting software and solutions that didn't exist a few years ago, or they're just getting refined. I mean, Restaurant 365 and, you know, Seven Shifts, we've been talking to them. They have a, you know, almost an automated schedule builder. So it remains to be seen how well, you know, how, how well it actually does that. But, you know, all signs point to uh, it being a great, great solution. So there's uh, any number of different things to keep me busy. You know, one thing that was a common theme as well in the restaurant uh, leadership conference was that, you know, we're still in like the first inning of this AI technology yeah. game. And, you know, there's still time to to get where you need to be. So it's an emerging, you know, theme. But to stay on top of that is critical if you want to be successful in this industry. Well, I agree. And I think the other thing, too, is I think, you know, especially for independence, right? You hear, you know, kind of this pushback of, well, my GM will never know how to run the software. So why am I going to do that? Or I just don't have time to, you know, get my my staff won't be able to to do it. And I think what's interesting when you see the big guys who have like 100 locations or, you know, a thousand locations is they're not relying on their GM 
to do the technology. They're trying to make it as easy as possible for their team with roles like Zeno and yourself, Matt, that, you know, then you guys kind of do the complex stuff and then make it as easy as you can. And it sounds like that's kind of what your philosophy is with the technology as well. Yeah, I think that's important to try to, you know, not to say, you know, dull it down a little bit for people, but I think it's important to still have that conversation with with the GMs and make sure that they still know the numbers, you know, you're transparent on how the stores are performing, especially making sure they are keeping their prime cost in line, their food and labor, you know, and I have conversations every week with my GMs an hour conversation with them and reflect on the previous week's prime cost. We lay out this week's you know labor. We make sure it's in line, also the food cost. But I think as time goes on and we scale up to get these systems more in place where it's almost more automated, where, oh, we thought we we're going to do this much in sales this week. Yeah, we did do that. You know, and you know, instead of going through in detail how much you should have to spend with each vendor, that it lays it all out for you in a pretty simple platform based off your your forecasted sales. So I think it's important to still have that that close you know contact with your GMs, but also tie in you know the data part of it so it's it's more automated as well. Yeah, agreed. I mean, we don't want our GMs behind a computer or in front of a computer for most of their day. We want them to be in front of our guests to be coaching their teams up. At the same time, uh, yeah, we want so therefore we want to get our technology as simple as for them to use as possible. But it's also an opportunity for engagement or with our employees, with our with our GMs and uh, and and our line level employees because some of this technology can be improved. We're working with some some vendors where they've only been around for two years and they're looking for new features. They're looking to develop their software. They're looking for that feedback. And we can actually actively engage our own team and say, what could be better about this? Sometimes we might have a GM or an AGM really understand scheduling, for example, really well. And that may be an opportunity for advancement for them. You know, so we want to engage them, uh, you know, throughout. And whoever shows a uh, hunger for more knowledge, we're happy to give it to them. And I think that's really important to constantly be engaging your team and feeding them uh, whatever they're willing or eager to learn. Because I'm not worried about them taking my job. I mean, they, they please. No, <laughs> no, no, but you know, you you want to train somebody ultimately to take your job. That means you're doing your job well if you're able to coach somebody up who can replace you, or you can go on vacation, or you can do something else that the company needs, and someone can step in and, and fill in for you. So I think you know, to Matt's point, that uh, Ian and Drew and Monica on our team have done a great job of of having these weekly calls with our managers and showing them everything. I mean, these guys get to see our full P and L. They understand how the dollars flow throughout the entire business. They understand what levers to pull and push to reach those budgetary requirements, you know, and still hit their numbers and still have, you know, they know what success looks like, you know, by the numbers. And that's super important. And it's super important with technology for them to understand the, how the systems work, but also why we need them to, why, why they're designed the way they are, why they work the way they are. And again, to show that we're vested in their future and and growth path within the company, you know that was a common theme at the restaurant conference. You know, you want to provide a path for your employees from day one, and if yeah. they see that and they know that you're invested in them, they're going to be invested in you, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, cool. So, what's next on the horizon for uh, 2022? What What did you take away as like the things that you're, you know, going to work on in the next 12 months? Well, labor. 
labor, labor. So, uh, you know, recruiting is a common theme. I'm sure you heard the show. Everybody's looking, you know, to everyone's fighting for the, you know, the, the same labor pool. So we're going to constantly refine our packages to try and bring in, bring in the best and brightest people. Our and, training program. Yeah, and our training program to make sure once we get them in the door, we get them up to speed as quickly as possible and we keep them engaged. Um, and buying into our culture, you know, I think that that's something we can continue to work on. You know, we're, we're far from perfect in that regard. We have that culture here at our corporate office, but making sure that 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 carries over to you know the opposite, the north and south stores, right? That that everybody is sort of buying into our to our core values and and living and breathing what we're about every day. So that's always going to be a challenge. And then data again, how do we continue to use data? to inform our choices on where we might want to open new stores. For example, you know, there's a lot of technology out there to do that from, you know, Placer and, and SiteZeus and a number of other solutions out there. Speaking of which, coming at the end of 2023, beginning of 2024, we will be opening our new location in Darien, Connecticut. That will be store nine, <laughs> our garden catering. So um, could blast that out there. Um, <laughs> I've been on social media too, but you know, we're building that out right now. And, you know, we're in the process of looking for, you know, other locations as well. We'd love to get up to 10 locations by 2024. Getting Fairfield County on lock. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, another thing too, which has been uh, a big thing is, is the food cost. As everyone knows, it's been a big pain point and supply chain issues, of course, which everyone's felt. But but the food cost, especially for us being in the industry with with chicken, you know, volatile commodity really making sure that we have the right vendors in place and the right product, which Zeno has done a lot of work, um, making sure we have that in line and really just working each week again with our GMs to make sure that, you know, their inventory is in line, that their purchases are in line, that, you know, any issues we see are, are tied out because at the end of the day, you know, you have your your non-controllables, your rent, your utilities and all that. But the main things that we can control as operators every day are the food and labor. So again, I can't stress that enough, you know. That's a really good point. You know, and communication with those vendors is critical. You've got to have that one-on-one relationship, not just with your reps, but maybe with your reps' bosses. You have to ensure that you're holding their feet to the fire, that there's no surprises. We've had too many surprises where, oh, hey, uh, looks like you're not going to, aluminum is unavailable right now. You're not going to be able to get your special bags or you're not going to be able to get your oyster pails or souffle cups. So we give away a lot of sauce. So souffle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, you know, this is, this is, you know, the kind of thing where we're like, hell, if, if we're going to be out of two ounce souffle cups, the industry will, we can't be out of those. This is not, not an option. So we would scour the internet and we'd look high and low and buy whatever we can and stock them up. So building redundancy into your supply chain for those commodity type items like souffle cups and things like that, to know that uh, should your prime vendor have supply issues, that you have a plan B, C through J. You know, you need to know where to look, when, you know, and be able to get there and have an account set up with a credit card on file right away so that you can order those things that, you know, it doesn't seem like the supply chain issues are going to disappear overnight. It looks like the rest of the year is going to be dodgy. And so definitely would recommend to anybody that they um, constantly look through their Think a few steps ahead all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And look what you absolutely can't do without those things that are unique to your brand or to your operation and make sure that you, you know, if you have to put a little cash out up front to hold onto that inventory, it, it's not a bad hedge. Like 
to do it because you'll use the product, but at least that way, you know, you're not going to run out. Right. No, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. You know, I'm a huge garden heating fan. I think you guys are headed in such great direction. And thank you for taking the time today. You got it. Thank you very Thanks, much. Anytime. Thanks.